is, it's me, it's TRG, the rambling gambler, a vest wearing, exotic boot wearing, fast car driving, gambler's gambler. I'm your host and the inventor of Casino Combat, and this is episode 64 of our Casino Combat podcast. Non-binary persons, ladies and gentlemen, Nezha and Hermes. This podcast discusses casinos and gambling. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. Our past performances are not indicative of anyone else's future results, including our own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know how to contact your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that number for you and make it available to you. Everything discussed in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated outcomes may be omitted in an effort to prevent listener boredom all right everybody all right let's get episode 64 started did you know that in greek mythology hermes is the god of gambling and this is in part because he invented dice and he invented dice so that zeus poseidon and hades could decide how to divide up the earth zeus rolled the best number and he got the land Poseidon got the second best number so he chose the sea and hades lost so he got the underworld if you enjoyed that fun fact, you might want to do a web search on ne- web search. <laughs> Easy for me to say on Nezha. So, what are we going to talk about today? If you're new to all this, if this is your first time, thank you very much. We hope you stick around and become a member of our squad. Normally, each episode of the podcast is made up of multiple segments focused on a specific idea or theme. I usually start the podcast by laying out the roadmap or to stay on brand, the battle plan for the episode. As, re- as returning listeners already know, we will finish up the episode in the virtual VIP lounge with the results for the month of August. If that seems like an episode too soon, you are a listener who is paying attention. I'll explain that when we get to the travel segment. No worries. It'll make sense. As I do most weeks, I did some traveling and some gambling last week, and I'll tell you about that and give you some observations as well as results. So we will do a travel segment first and get that explanation out of the way early. Those travel and virtual VIP segments are a pretty standard part of every episode, so uh, what else? Uh, hmm, what else? Uh, I feel like the teaches for TRG Gambling System 2, Always Be Grinding, the last two episodes were pretty long and complicated. So I'm going to change things up just a little bit for you. We are going to have a moment of Casino Wisdom and revisit Casino Wisdom number 14. Don't tip away your wins. And we're going to look at that from a different point of view and give you some new information there. It's been a while since we have been gambling with Gabriel. I mean, not me. I usually manage to see Gabriel and do at least some gambling every couple of weeks. But we've not had a gambling, gambling with Gabriel segment in a number of episodes. And I know from feedback that there are listeners who have been enjoying hearing about my craps journey, and I recently started to get my head around the beginning of a more complex craps wagering approach. I'm not ready to call it a strategy yet, uh, but a concept. So updating you on all that will be the topic of discussion in that Gambling with Gabriel segment. Before I start working through the battle plan, let me update you on just a couple of items from the Casino Combat Galaxy. Our squad is strong and growing. It's not unusual for Gabriel and I to spend parts of a day texting back and forth. But one day last week, I was messaging in some fashion with Gabriel, the angel messenger of Casino Combat, an inner circle member, East Coast Emissary, fourth to the ring, and the Leatherneck Hustler, sixth to the ring, simultaneously. Different platforms, but all going at the same time. And that was after emailing... Uh, Aussie Alba, A squared, seventh to the ring, first thing in the morning. It wasn't exactly all of us in a casino together, but it was still kind of fun to be talking to a number of squad members all at the same time. 
If you found the podcast after, after episode 22 and want to know what this inner circle thing is all about that I'm mentioning, it's all explained in episode 22. I encourage you to listen and join in if you'd like. My conversation with the Leatherneck Hustler, boy, I'm stumbling over that. Uh, my, com- my conversation with TLH started with an email request for the decision chart for TRG Wagering System 1, and Fred didn't handle the request correctly. Fred is the, 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 the uh, podcast email bot. I updated Fred to fix the problem and sent TLH a copy of the chart directly. As I said, Fred is the podcast email bot. She watches my inbox and sends show resources to listeners if they request them. You can put two-word codes in the subject line of an email, send it to TRG at CasinoCombat.com, always spelling combat with a K, and Fred knows how to handle the two words send chart to send you the flow chart that TLH was looking for. At least she was supposed to, and now that she's fixed, she does once again. She can also send you the Book of Casino Wisdom, which provides you with a list of all the Casino Wisdoms and the episode where I first discussed them. Both of those items were contributed to the squad by Inner Circle members. Fred can also send my ebook on slot play if you put the two words slot tactics in the subject line. The leather, leather, boy, I'm just struggling with that. The Leatherneck Hustler mentioned that he downloaded and read that book, but just couldn't bring himself to put money in a slot machine. And I wanted to share with you a paraphrased version of the conversation he and I had using that kind of concept, uh, his thoughts as a prompt. TRG slot strategy, el numero dos, shouldn't work. I know the math, and based on the math, I avoided slot machines for decades. I don't find fault with anyone who sees things the way the Leathernecks Hustler does. That was better. And avoids playing slot machines with anything but free money from the casino. That's smart gambling. I'm not encouraging anyone to play slot machines. That said, I created a new way of playing slot machines, or I think it's new, about four years ago. And I assumed at the time it wouldn't work. It couldn't work. But I started testing it, and it seemed to work. I was sure I was just fooling myself, so I started writing down the results, and that small sample size showed that it appeared to work. At least, I think so. And I guess I should say, at least it appears to be working, because I continue to use it every month. It could still be proven a failure. It's possible. I didn't plan to ever talk about slot machines as part of this podcast, but in the first few months of episodes of the podcast, I was winning enough money playing that way, playing the way I play, that the only way to satisfy my personal transparency goals for this podcast was to write the ebook and give it away. I'm as amazed as anyone that 12 of the last 16 months, Mrs. TRG and I have made cash money with this stupid idea of mine. So back to TLH. As I said, I don't blame him at all for his point of view, and I didn't try to convince him to gamble at slot machines. But what I did offer him was the example of how I started testing my idea. Since very early in the process, I was sure I was going to find the flaw in my thinking and abandon slot play once again, I would only test my idea if I won more than a day's pay at a blackjack table. If I did win more than a day's pay, I would test with some of the extra winnings. So if I won many hundreds of dollars, I would put $100 in a low denomination slot machine, a machine with the bets only ranging between $0.50 to $2.50. If I hit a negative exit on those types of machines, it was rarely more than $30 or $40, and usually the wins were similarly small, but occasionally I would win several hundred additional dollars, 
And of course, I was accumulating tier points, free slot play comps, and free imaginary tax-free money to spend on stuff in the casino. It was only after a year or so of testing and documenting that I added some additional money to the bankroll that I normally carried to the casino to support slot play. And it was at that point that I made it a regular part of what I do. That was my thought to TLH that I wanted to share with all of you. If you're interested in trying my slot strategy, but know that slot machines provide the house with a huge advantage, a low-risk way to try it out is to first learn it. And let's be honest, if you can count to four, you can learn TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos. It's not hard. Once you learn it, if you have a decent size win, risking a little of what you won to test the way I originally tested may provide a process you feel comfortable with. And then you can judge for yourself over time. The second topic I wanted to talk about today in terms of the Casino Combat Galaxy. So let me take one more minute before we start and expand on something I offered kind of randomly off the cuff last week. Last week I said that while at this point I'm not selling any things, I would sell my time in the form of personal coaching via video calls. That offer stands. If that's something you are interested in, if that's something that would help you in your mind, send me an email and we will set up a time and do a call at my IT consulting friends and family rate. And since IT is what I do for a living, I've decided to sweeten that officer up that offer up just a little bit. I created an app on my phone that lets me track every transaction that I do in the casino pretty quickly and easily. The information I put in the app updates a spreadsheet in the cloud that I can review when I get back to my office. Very literally, if I tip the valet to park the car, the tip goes in the app. If a casino gives me a watch or a blender, that goes in the app. Money won, money lost, money spent on meals, it all goes in the app. The app shows me totals for all the various things that I track. I can look at a screen in the app and know exactly what my profit and loss is, exactly what my expenses are, exactly how much I've been comped in various ways. I know at a glance exactly where I stand for the month. For at least the first five people, if any, that decide to do a coaching call with me, I will give that listener their own private custom version of that app as part of the coaching call. The only thing you need to use this app is an Android or Apple phone or device. It would work as well on an iPad or a tablet. I will provide the app, the spreadsheet, and instructions for using the app, installing and using the app during our call. So that's the offer. If you think it interests you, shoot me an email. All right, all right. We are updated on what has been happening in the Casino Combat Galaxy, and we have a battle plan. Let's squeal those tires and start the travel segment. As you may have observed, I'm behind from a travel segment point of view, and we've been struggling to keep up with the every seven days distribution, every eight days distribution of this podcast. I'm not happy about it. I understand why it happened. Every seven days was really, really easy when there was low customer demand, very few things to do with friends and family, when nobody was traveling, when nothing was open. In in mid-pandemic, when there wasn't a whole lot going on in my life, other than work, travel, and this podcast, keeping up the seven-day schedule is pretty easy. I'm being challenged a little bit by it as as we move back into a, a more normal life. We went to Atlantic City for our anniversary trip at the start of August. We didn't get back until several days after I usually start podcast production. School was starting for Mrs. TRG. We started a major remodeling project that involved moving everything out of the Casino Combat Studio. 
and children and grandchildren were in and out of the house at various times, which was wonderful and great, but tough to keep the podcast doing what I intended to do and what I wanted it to do, and so we've, we've had some gaps and some slips. I've continued to put out episodes as quickly, quickly as I can and tell, telling myself for the past couple of weeks that I'd find time to do more than one episode a week to catch up, but I haven't. Last December, I told you about one trip to Las Vegas over the course of three episodes. This week, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to condense things and start the process of getting caught up by telling you about the last two weeks of August and giving you the results for August 2021 in the Virtual VIP Lounge. I started the third week of August with a visit to my local casino. I picked up an essential oil diffuser, which Mrs. TRG says is a good gift. I actually have no clue. I had a free bet and a parking comp. I played a winning slot machine using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, which means my real money, not just fun money. There are points that they gave me. And I played a losing blackjack table. And a funny thing happened on the way to the blackjack table. As I'm walking from the slot, uh, from the slot machine I was playing... And I'm walking past a craps table toward the blackjack tables, and I see a guy wearing a vest almost exactly like mine. He wasn't shooting, so I wasn't interrupting his concentration. So I walked over and I said, excuse me, are you by any chance wearing that vest because you listen to a podcast called Casino Combat? I was hopeful. I really was. Sadly, he was not a listener, but he took a card and he may become a listener. He was at least interested. I was. I was hopeful. He's the first person, other than myself, that I've seen wear something like that in a casino. So it was really kind of neat to see. You know, maybe eventually we'll see a few more of those out there and one of them will actually be a listener. Later in the week, I stopped for another free bet and parking comp and a gift card. I had hoped to see Gabriel, but our schedule didn't match up. I got smacked pretty good by a slot machine. Being down to less than $10 in the machine twice and then coming back, but never reaching a positive exit point and eventually hitting a negative exit for one of the larger slot losses that I've ever taken. But it was a long slot session, so I got a bunch of tier points. And fortunately, I won almost all of that money back playing craps. So it was basically a zero exit from the casino, having picked up gifts and points and that kind of stuff. Which was important because I was done with the work day and headed to my home casino, Casino 2, two and a half hours south and east of my home for a comped room, a match bet, and a comped dinner. I also found out that I can do something that they call points play, kind of similar to MGM, and, and got some free slot play at my home casino. I won almost twice in cash what I created in free slot play from, from their points. The rest of the gambling was not uh, not good. I had one winning and two losing blackjack tables and another losing slot machine that once again went long, never hit any bonuses, and again got me a nice chunk of points. I finished the week minus two days pay. I went into the last week of the month just a little bit negative on a cash basis. I started the last week of the month receiving a free thing called a foot spa, and neither myself nor my wife are exactly sure what it is, nor do we particularly want it. I suspect that it will sit in the opportunity corner of the basement for a while. Maybe it will be a white elephant gift at Christmas if we're invited to a white elephant gift exchange. I did get to see Trucker Mike on this visit and play some blackjack with him. He was nice enough to speak kindly of the podcast to other players at the table, which let me hand out some cards and tell some more people about the podcast. I really wanted to stay longer. I don't get to play with Trucker Mike as often as I used to, but a three-unit double didn't pay out, and I hit my negative exit, and I left. I did recover, recover some of that with a winning table and a winning slot machine, so that's good. 
Later in the week, I stopped at the horse track with the slot parlor for free slot play and comp lunch. I also went to my local casino for another free bet, a parking comp, and a gift card. I got to play with Trucker Mike a second time. He was working with his host to turn free table bets into slot play. Actually, I think it was the other way around. He was trying to turn free slot play that he was given into free table bets. I wasn't directly in the conversation, but I told him when he was telling me about it that I thought it was a brilliant way to do something, something I'd never thought to ask a host to do for me. And I also got to see my good friend Posh Dog. This is a casino friend that I used to see a couple of times a month. I've met his aunt and played cards with the two of them. I've had drinks with him and his sister. I have not seen him in over a year and a half. Posh Dog is a hugger. He gave me the biggest hug. In fact, I just realized, and sorry, I'm off script again, and, and I may get a little emotional here, but I just realized that the last time I saw Posh Dog was the night the casino closed for lockdown at the start of the pandemic. Mrs. TRG and I had a hunch that that lockdown was coming, so we decided to try to safely make one more visit. I saw Posh Dog in the VIP lounge, I offered him a fist bump, and he grabbed me for a hug. And it stood out in my mind at the time, I vividly remember thinking that might not have been the smartest thing for us to do. It still might not be the smartest thing for us to do. But it felt really good to get hugged by my friend again. I also got to do one thing at the blackjack table that I have not done in a while. It just hasn't come up. I was playing with someone younger. He received a pair of eights as his first two cards. He seemed reluctant to split, but he did so with some encouragement from other players at the table. The thing was, he had a $2.50 tip on his original bet for the dealers, and he didn't add that tip to the second bet after the split. Obviously, everyone should do what they want with their money, and obviously, I don't want him or anyone else to tip away any wins that they may have. But I'm also a firm believer in the idea that if I tip on the first hand, I should tip on any additional hands or doubles. I know, I know, I know. I don't believe in karma, I don't believe in luck, and then I follow these weird superstitions. It's, it's kind of silly. But as I've said in the past, there are certain gambling superstitions that I enjoy while recognizing them as superstitions. For me, they are part of the culture of gambling, the traditions of gambling. So with his permission, I provided the tip for the second hand, and then with the next eight for the third hand, and then with the next eight for the fourth hand. He and the dealer won all four hands. Good for the dealers. When we finish in the virtual VIP lounge later, if I have a losing month by $7.50, we will find out that I did in fact tip away my wins. As difficult as the blackjack was, things went very well at the craps table and I finished the visit with more money than I started the visit with. Mrs. TRG and I went into the final weekend of the month with two comped hotel nights on her offers at Casino One. We both received match bets, hers larger than mine, as well as some free slot play. And we got the free slot play because Casino One just released a new app. And anyone who loaded the app on their phone received a random amount of free slot play. Casino Wisdom number 74 teaches us, if there is an app, get the app. This is an excellent application of that Casino Wisdom. We both loaded the app when we saw the signs announcing the app when we entered the casino. Honestly, we love the ability to track our points earned as we play. And doing that from our phone versus at a kiosk just makes it a lot easier. After loading the app in the hotel room, it was great to benefit by getting free slot play that turned into free cash 
when we went down to the casino and checked the kiosk for the first time. Now, leaving for a two-hour drive south and east after school lets out on a Friday is not ideal. We much prefer to leave around noon, get there right when they're going to let us check in, and then start our, our trip from there. Frankly, we wouldn't do it for a one-night stay. But Mrs. TRG is enjoying being the person comped Friday and Saturday night instead of me, and a lazy free weekend of gambling and or hanging by the pool is really very nice when you don't have to pay for it. We did a little gambling Friday night. We played a couple decent tables and enjoyed some drinks. Saturday morning after breakfast, which was really brunch, we did some gambling to play our free bets. We hadn't bothered the night before due to our late arrival. After a rough, rough session of blackjack with those free bets, we had that early morning moment of, what do you want to do now? I don't know. What do you want to do now? Eventually, after a couple rounds of that, I, I answered honestly and said that I really wanted to play some low-limit craps and see how many points it would generate in the new app, but I didn't want to just tell my wife to entertain herself for several hours. She said she didn't mind and went to find a slot machine, and I went to find a craps table. Now, truth be told, Mrs. TRG lives the podcast, and she is a sounding board for many of the ideas that end up in the podcast, but she does not listen to the podcast. I mean, sometimes she listens to it being recorded because she has no choice or to the edits before it gets published, but she doesn't sit down and listen to entire episodes. So she actually doesn't hear all the casino wisdoms and things like that. Anyway, Mrs. TRG on this particular Saturday finds a favorite machine to play. She sits down and after just a very short set of spins has more than a 30% return on the money she put into the machine. If you've read my Casino Combat Slot Tactics book, you know I re recommend a positive exit point much lower than 30%. She paused. She thought. She wanted to play. She was having fun. She didn't really have anything else to do. She may not listen to the podcast, but she lives big portions of her life in casinos with a casino coach. Yes, I spelled coach with a K even in the script, just like Virginia casino player Doug spelled casino coach. Um, Mrs. TRG got up, cashed her ticket, recorded her profit in our app. She got out of the gambling space mentally and physically and decided maybe she would go to the car and get some papers to grade. And then she decided that would be a poor idea since she would probably just fall asleep grading the papers. She went upstairs and took a nap, something I've often remarked about. Things go one way or another in a casino, get out of the casino, go take a nap, go sit by the pool. Which from my point of view and the point of view of my sons is excellent. Mrs. TRG is the hardest working woman in gambling and one of the hardest working people we observe in general. One of the benefits of our comp casino trips, one of the benefits of our casino lifestyle that is basically them giving us value and money is that she slows down. She stops working a little bit. She wouldn't have taken a nap if she was at home. She would have worked, or she would have cleaned house, or she would have done something of, of that nature. Without being a podcast listener, Mrs. TRG applied correctly casino wisdom number 33. She wanted the win more than she wanted the action of gambling. She walked away from gambling, and as soon as that happened, she had a profit, and she made different choices. That's pure casino combat in action. When we returned home, I started the new week and the last two days of the month with some casino chores that needed to be done and that fit well with my work schedule. Obviously, I'm going to be a little coy here to save something for the virtual VIP lounge, but given how our Saturday morning, 
my time at the crafts table and our Saturday evening went, I wasn't going to add losing to the last two days of the month. But ABC, always be casinoing. I stopped by my local casino on Monday for a free bet, which I played on black at the roulette table because Casino Wisdom number 23 teaches us to always play our free bets strategically. And strategically in this case meant with as little risk as possible, with zero risk. I stopped in on my way from client A to client B. I got my free stuff. I played my free bet. I had the parking comp. The free stuff, by the way, was a blow dryer, a hair dryer. And my oldest son had specifically told me that he really wanted me to get that because he needed it for one of his Airbnb units. So this is not going to sit in the opportunity corner until we find a use for it. My son, I saved him the cost of that hair dryer by going a couple blocks out of my way. The next day, I finished the month with free slot play at that horse track and slot parlor here in town, and I enjoyed a comp lunch. It was a good two weeks of gambling, looking back at it, and those two days with really no gambling were a very solid and strategic way to finish the month. We had some casino wisdom items mixed in there, but I have a full-blown moment of casino wisdom for you next with a new take on an old favorite. Casino Wisdom number 14 teaches us don't tip away your wins. Tipping servers, bartenders, and the people who park the car is important and the right thing to do. It's something I encourage you to do at the end of every episode, but tipping, especially of dealers, needs to be in proportion to what you are winning. And notice I said what you are winning, not what you are playing. This wisdom was created because about once a year, I see a beginning gambler do something kind of like what I'm about to describe. They bet $15 at a blackjack table and lose. They bet another $15 and get a blackjack. So they get paid $22.50. They give the dealer $5 when they get paid out for the blackjack, and they tip $2.50 on the next hand. Do the math. They lost $15. Then they won $22.50, but tipped $7.50. So the math is $22.50 minus $2.50. That's $20.00. Minus $5, that's the other part of the $7.50, so that's $15, minus the $15 they lost on the first hand. That's zero. Obviously, I created the illustration to make the point, but I saw this several times in real life, which is what led me to create this Casino Wisdom. And I created that Casino Wisdom long, long, long before I ever thought I was going to be doing a podcast. I created this wisdom, as I said, after watching a young man have a great shoe at a blackjack table. He probably won over two-thirds of the hands he played. He won a lot of money, $15 at a time, and finished the shoe with less money than he started with. He looked at me completely confused after counting the chips and discovering he was down some instead of up a bunch. So especially with dealer's tips, tip in a way that matches what you are winning. If you get paid $22.15 on a $15 blackjack, I think a $2.50 tip on the next hand is fine, or $2.50 given directly to the dealer if you prefer is fine, or put in a pile that you're going to tip to someone after you finish the session if you have a win, that's fine. Certainly I don't think you should tip more than $5 of the $22.50 you have just won. Others have different opinions, I'm sure. Gabriel tips when he leaves the table, generally speaking, rather than during his session, at least for the most part, and is very generous with his tips. In fact, 
Before I get to my main point for this segment, yeah, let me do this. Let me tell you a quick, fun Gabriel story that involves tipping. Our local casino was running a promotion where by invitation you could print a slip at a kiosk with a letter on it, ABC. You then went to the high limit room and pulled a random ticket out of a box with the same letter on it, and they would hand you in cash the amount of money printed on the ticket. You could win as much as $1,000. And by observation, the A box had lower dollar amounts than box B, which had lower amounts than box C. Gabriel and I waited in line about 20 minutes. I pulled a ticket with some modest amount of money on it. I don't recall. I think it was $20. It might have been $50. It wasn't bad. Uh, It paid for my drinks and tips for the afternoon. Gabriel's ticket had $5 printed on it. Gabriel kind of rolled his eyes as they handed him the $5 bill. He then took about five steps to the nearest high limit blackjack table and tipped the dealer the $5. He felt the same way I do about, like when this casino gives me $3 in free slot play, he felt the same way. In both instances, we each tipped more than that already during the day. We both charge more than that for 20 minutes of our time, which is the point of this casino wisdoms. Tips should be appropriate to how and how much you play and to the service received. With all, with all of that in mind today, I want to talk about tipping a host. And that's a little different. A casino host is like a casino concierge. When you reach a certain level of play at a casino or when you reach a certain tier in some reward systems, a host is assigned to you. They will book your room, your restaurant reservations, your shows. They may provide extra comps above those generated by the reward system specifically, or they may upgrade what the reward system has already given you. They may invite you to special events. If there is a problem in the casino, they may sort out that issue for you. In fact, let me give you an example of that last item. Several years ago, Mrs. TRG and I would go to brunch at the local casino most Sundays after church. The brunch was comped, and usually one or both of us was given a free gift of some type. Then we would we would go up to the VIP lounge. We'd hang out with our friends in the VIP lounge and have, have some drinks and play some blackjack. We called it Sippin' Sunday. Well, one Sunday morning, there was a big sporting event going on near the casino. They were limiting parking in the casino structure to guests that were Tier 4 or higher, and I was at Tier 3 at that time, having pulled some of my action away from my local casino when it stopped being part of the Caesars reward system. We ended up parking at a paid facility across the street from the casino, which cost us $40. When there is a problem, remain calm and find a casino solution. I sent my host a text. She met us in the casino. I showed her the parking receipt and explained that the parking requirement caught us by surprise since it had never been an issue on previous Sundays. I opined that a social media post would have been a nice heads up so that we could have stayed home. She took us to the cage. She filled out some paperwork for me to sign and handed that paperwork to the cage and the cage handed us $50, an extra $10 to make up for the extra hassle. She then comped us brunch so that we didn't have to use the comp from the kiosk or points to comp our own brunch. Now here's the thing, and this illustrates why this is a thing. Generally speaking, hosts are not allowed to take cash as a tip, which makes sense. They can, as I have just illustrated, literally go to the cage at their discretion and have the cage hand out cash to a guest. If the guest and the host can then walk 
two or three steps away and the guest says thank you and hands them some cash as a tip, we have a system custom made for fraud and abuse. So you can't tip your hosts with cash. They will and should refuse. But you should tip your hosts that treat you well. This is normally done in the form of a gift or a gift card. And please don't don't get a gift card from the casino and turn around and give it to the host. That's tacky. Don't don't do that. Give it to a different host. That's not tacky. But don't give it don't give it to to the, to the host at the casino where it's being given out. Many people who have hosts in Las Vegas, people who get these lavish comped suites and expensive meals, they'll bring their host a gift basket with items unique to their local area. And that's a popular thing. Things that are local to a region that the host isn't from. Alcohol is another popular choice that seems to work for both guests and casino hosts. These gifts don't need to be every time a host does something for you and should be appropriate to the relationship. Bubba has been my host at Casino One for years. We are pretty low maintenance for Bubba. And during the pandemic, what he can do for us is fairly limited. Once a month, once a month or so, I send a text asking for a room. He sends a reply that the room will be ready when we arrive. And he even does that when the mailer from the reward system doesn't include a free room offer or a free room offer for the weekends. So every few days, we take him a bottle of top shelf bourbon and make a point of finding him and giving it to him and saying, thank you, we appreciate you taking care of things for us. Another thing I like to do is be aware of who is helping me when a host has not been assigned to me yet. And I like to take care of them in some way. An excellent example of that would be Casino 2, my home casino. They have not assigned me a host yet, and I have not reached the tier in their system where a host is automatically assigned. A couple of times a month, I call the VIP desk, which is the host desk, to set up a room comp. And whomever the host on duty is always takes care of things. Several months ago, a host named Jennifer was the host on duty three or four of those calls in a row. So we made a point of picking up a bottle of wine from a local winery and taking it to her as a thank you. This was also me building, starting to build a relationship with the casino where one wasn't being built yet by the casino. Until that time, I had never actually met Jennifer. I had only spoken to her on the phone. Taking her a gift allowed me to meet her, and both of us got to put a face and a name with a voice. While she is not my hostess, my app does not say I have a host. It is blank. But Jennifer often finds me at a blackjack table when I'm in the casino to say hi and ask if I need anything, which is exactly what an assigned host would do. As I suggested with tips to dealers, your gifts to the casino host should be appropriate to what they do for you, which will be appropriate to your level of gambling at their property. Bubba gets a $40 bottle of bourbon, not a $200 bottle of bourbon. Jennifer gets a nice bottle of local wine made last year, not a 30-year-old bottle of wine from France. Oh, and final thought. The cost of these tips is a gambling-related expense. For me, it goes in my app under the category Other with a note that it was a gift for Bubba and a negative dollar amount since it was an expense. It gets factored in to my profit and loss after expenses calculation that you hear each and every time we do a monthly wrap-up. If you have a host and you have not been tipping them, you might consider adding that to your process. And from experience, you might find that hosts that you give gifts to take care of you a little better than hosts or than guests they don't get gifts from. Okay, the next item on our battle plan is Gambling with Gabriel.
Okay, to kick this off, you know I love a good disclaimer, so I'm going to put one right here. I consider myself an expert at blackjack and wagering systems. I know that what I teach as it relates to those topics works and works well. I have tested the things I teach as it relates to those topics extensively for many years. If you sit down at a roulette table and use TRG Wagering System 1 on any of the 50-50 bets like red or black, even or odd, over the course of most months, you should have a cash profit. And the months you don't, the casino should give you more in value than you lost. That said, this is a Gambling with Gabriel segment, and that usually means the topic is craps, and that means the topic is craps today. I am not an expert at craps. I'm trying to become one. And listeners have written to say they enjoy hearing about that process. So I'm going to update you today, but use the things I'm going to talk about in this segment at your own risk. To expand on that set of thoughts a little bit, TRG Wagering System 1, or for that matter, TRG Wagering System 3, the Meta Martingale, will work at a craps table. They will work very well with a pass line, with or without, a pass line bet with or without odds, and work even better with a don't pass bet as longtime listener the captain of Cali has shared with us. The best way to use those wagering systems with the pass or don't pass bet is to make a full odds bet after a point is established. And played that way, the bankroll for craps is larger than I'm comfortable with. And being very honest, I find gambling that way at craps to be a bit boring. So, Disclaimer out of the way, if you've listened for a while, you know that Gabriel became interested in craps shortly after I started this podcast. He showed me aspects of the game that I had never considered, and eventually I created an experimental bankroll, an EBR, as Ice Cream Man likes to say, and I did a craps experiment. I won a little money, and I learned a great deal more about the game. Since my experiment ended, I've continued to play some craps to learn craps. It took me many, many years to figure out the best way to approach blackjack and invent a wagering approach that would be successful more often than it failed. It took a similar amount of time ignoring and then understanding how slot machines had evolved for me to invent an approach to playing slot machines that through four years of testing appears to work. Those creations are, to the best of my knowledge, unique among gamblers. They are my own creations. Admittedly strongly influenced by a previous generation of gamblers much smarter than I am that wrote books about gambling that I was fortunate enough to read. I flatter myself by thinking that I might be able, over a period of time, to find a unique approach to craps. I have the advantage this time of not only working directly with a professional gambler in Las Vegas who was part of that previous generation and an expert at playing craps, but also with Gabriel who is constantly evolving what he does and contributing to what I do. I'm smarter now, and I'm not working alone, so who knows how this will turn out. But it has been an interesting journey to this point. I wanted to update you today on where I am in that journey. Playing craps is now a somewhat regular part of my casino process particularly if the table limits are low, as they often are at Casino 2, my home casino, and Casino 1. At low limits, my normal casino bankroll is adequate without adding additional money specifically for craps. In addition, at low levels, I am often able to spend some time at a craps table risking only part of the money I won from other types of gambling during that casino visit. It's very common for me to win more than a day's pay playing blackjack and then spend time at a craps table with little more than half a day's pay. 
a big upside to this that I would have never known without Gabriel's contribution, without Gabriel diving into the game, is that I continue to earn a lot more tier points and tax-free free imaginary money by playing craps as compared to blackjack. There is big value in this because the casinos are starting to see me as a more valued guest and more valued guests get better comps. That is part of the casino combat approach to the game of casino gambling. Balancing the financial risks taken with the benefits and value the casino will provide for taking those risks, win or lose. It was while playing at a low $10 minimum table that I have started to put together what may become a genuine TRG wagering, craps wagering concept. This is at best an alpha test, but here is the approach I have developed thus far. Again, this is not something I am telling you will work. This is something that I'm working on that seems to be kind of in line with what I like to do so far. Maybe that's the best way to say it. It seems to line up with the concepts I believe work in other types of wagering. At a $10 craps table, I'm going to range my bets from $10 to $25 or $30 using both progressive wagering, which is increasing my bet after a win or set of wins, and regressive wagering, which is increasing my bet after a loss or set of losses. At this time, I'm calculating my bankroll for this by multiplying my largest bet of $25 by 10 for a total of $250, plus an extra $50 because I have a minor $2 to $5 bet I will also be making in, as part of this process. At a $10 table, I'm buying in at $300. I'm gonna make my first bet on a come out roll. That is a roll where the big round disc on the table is black and says off. That bet will be a $10 pass line bet and a $2 crap check bet in the center of the table. If you're completely new to craps, if it's not something you've regularly played, you make the pass line bet by simply placing it anywhere in the large area in front of you on either side of the table labeled pass line. You don't need to say anything or do anything else. In the center of the table is a large area with a variety of bets. The stick person, quite literally, the person holding a large bent wooden stick standing in front of that area, handles the bets there. To make the craps check bet, just toss, literally through the air, the chips in that direction and say, $2 craps check loud enough for dealers to hear you. Your bet will be placed in a circle unique to you that has a C in it, the letter C. At this point, the person with the dice throws them. If the result is a 7 or an 11, you will get paid even money on your pass line bet and you will lose your crap check bet. If the number thrown is a 2, a 3, or a 12, you will get paid $14 on your craps check bet and you will lose your pass line bet. These two bets basically offset each other and protect each other with you winning just a little money on any of those outcomes. And with any of those outcomes, the person with the dice continues to throw after you're given a chance to replace any bets that you lost. From a progressive wagering point of view, if I reach the point where I have won 24 or more dollars than the $12 I initially wagered, I will increase both the wager by half a unit, which is to say, the craps check bet becomes $3 and the pass line bet becomes $15. I'm not super focused on that at this moment because I've actually never seen that happen. I've never seen myself or anyone else that I'm paying attention to that bets that way reach the point where they've doubled the initial $12 that they started with. So I'm not too worried about that part of the process. Eventually a number other than 7, 11, 2, 3, or 12 will be thrown. And when that happens, the craps check bet is lost 
and the number thrown becomes the point. The point is, marked by a dealer, turning the big disc on the table from black with the word off on the top to white with the word on on the top and placing that white disc in a square on each end of the table that matches the number thrown. So if the shooter throws an eight, the disc is placed white side up on the eight to let everyone know that is the point. You will win your pass line bet at this point if the shooter throws another eight before they throw a seven. At this point, the game will pause for a moment so that players can make additional bets or odds bets. I have been making a small odds bet based on what point number has been established. If the point is five, six, eight, or nine with a $10 bet, I match my original bet with an odds bet made by placing my chips behind the original bet. If the point is a four or a 10, my odds bet is half of the original bet. Depending on what point was established, I'm making some additional bets that specific numbers will be rolled one or more times before a seven is rolled. If the point is the four or the 10, I'm making a one unit bet, which is to say a $10 bet on the six and the same bet on the eight. However, the table minimum is $10, but bets on the six and the eight need to be made in $6 increments because of how the bets are paid off. So I'd take $24 and put that in the large area right in front of the dealer on the pit side of the table and I'll say, I'll take the six and the eight. The dealer will put $12 on the six and $12 on the eight. If you do not have exactly $24, just put out 25 or 30 or heck, a black $100 chip if for some reason that's all you have and say 12 on the six and 12 on the eight. The dealer will make the bets and give you your change. If the point is the six or the eight, I just bet $12 on the opposite number. If the point is six, I bet the eight. If the point is eight, I bet the six. If the point is a five, I bet the eight for $12. If the point is a nine, I bet the six for $12. There's nothing especially original or special about this. This is very, very basic stuff. You are gonna find stuff like this all over the internet as a suggestion for a very conservative strategy. Once I've made those bets, once you've made those bets, if a seven is rolled, all those bets are lost. Every single one of them. That's a worst case scenario and I'll come back to what I do next after that, in a minute, put a mental bookmark on that. If a seven is rolled, all the bets are lost concept. Let's suppose the point is four. I've got $10 on the pass line, $5 as odds behind it, and $12 on the six and $12 on the eight. Each time a six or eight is rolled before a seven is rolled, I get paid. If a four is rolled, I get paid even money on the original pass line bet, and I get paid true odds on the extra $5, which is two to one or $10. So my total exposure at this moment is 12 times two for $24 plus $15 on the pass line and odds. That's a $39 bet plus the $2 lost on the crap check. That's a $41 exposure. If I get paid $41 so that I'm at break even and then get paid again, I start the progressive wagering at that point. This can and does happen when playing craps. Suppose I get paid on the eight, then on the eight again, then on the six again. I would tell the dealer as they're paying me for the six that I want to go up by one, that's the terminology, which in this situation means $6 of my winnings increase my bet on the eight from $12 to $18. And I don't have to increase the six. If the six or the eight comes up again, then I'd increase the six the same way. And if the point of four is rolled now and I get paid on the four, my next pass line bet for this shooter will be $15 instead of 10. 
As long as this shooter continues to make me money, I'll continue adding $6 on the 6 or the 8 to progressively wager. When the shooter finally loses, my bets go back to $10 on the pass line and a $2 craps check. Now let's go back to that mental bookmark. Suppose, as does happen, the point is 4. I make my odds bet. I, I bet on the 6 and the 8. The shooter throws a 5, which does nothing for me, pays me nothing, costs me nothing. Then they throw a 7. All my bets are lost, and I'm going to start my regressive wagering at this point. I'm going to increase my bets after a loss. My pass line bet will be $15 instead of 10, and my craps check bet will be $3 instead of 2. If a point is established, my bets on the 6 and or the 8 will be $18 instead of $12. My odds bet will be around $7 if the point is a 4 or a 10. It will be $15 if the point is a 6 or an 8, and $16 if the point is a 5 or a 9, since those odds bets have to be even amounts. Again, all those bets will be lost if the next number rolled is a 7, and we will come back to that again in just a minute, so make another mental bookmark. Actually, <laughs> that's kind of silly to call it a mental bookmark, isn't it? Actually, it's a mental podcast mark, I guess, so let's do that. Just remember, we got to come back and talk about that in a minute. Anyway... If during the roll, I win enough throws to cover all of these increased bets, all of these regressive bets, I tell the dealer to reduce my bet on the 6 and the 8 to $12. I'm now just trying to win back what was lost on the previous shooter. Note that I cannot reduce my pass line bet. That's called a contract bet, but I can reduce my odds bet. I might or might not do that. I'm still sorting that part out, trying it both ways. If the shooter continues to make me money, once I've recovered whatever was lost on the first shooter, I will begin increasing my bets on the 6 or the 8 by $6 as I continue to win money. I will be back to progressive wagering. Back to that mental podcast, Mark. If once again I don't win money, if I lose money in any meaningful way when the shooter throws a 7, then my next set of bets would be regressive again. There would be a $5 craps check and a $25 pass line bet. After a point is established, I'll be betting $30 on the 6 and or the 8 or both, depending on what the point is. When I win back the money lost making the $15 pass line bets, I'll reduce the bets on the 6 and the 8 to $18. If I continue to win, I'll go down to $12 and then return to progressive betting when I have more money in front of me than I started with. If I lose money on the $25 and $30 bets, we're getting close to a negative exit. At this point, I've played with this two ways. I've tried making another set of $25 and $30 wagers if I have enough chip, chips left to make all of those bets without another buy-in. I also tried just treating losses at all three levels as a negative exit point. Of the two options, I like the second one better. It feels more like leaving the blackjack table with a small amount of chips, not just gambling to the very last chip. You can see that while this is not exactly the same as TRG Wagering System 1 with Blackjack or other 50-50 games, it is similar. After a loss, the base bet goes up first by half and then by one and a half. So far, that seems to be an appropriate application of the Martingale concept of betting more after a loss to get a profit since often I get paid something on a shooter before losing. So perhaps the shooter throws a 7 on the first roll. I lost the craps check roll but got paid on the pass line. I made some money. Then after the point is established, the shooter will throw a 6. That gets me paid. And then a 7, which is a losing throw 
for all my bets. I lost, but I didn't lose all the money I wagered because I did get paid something. Let's also talk for just a minute about the house advantage on this. One of the core concepts is to find and play games with the smallest possible house advantage while still earning tier credits. It's that second part that eliminates poker, betting on sports, and video poker from serious use as part of casino combat. WizardofOdds.com discusses the house advantage at craps three different ways. On a per bet made basis, on a per bet resolved basis, and on a per roll basis. I highly recommend their work on this topic, and I'll make a confession. When I initially selected a game for myself three decades ago, I didn't have access to anything like Wizard of Odds. I wasn't aware of anything other than per bet resolved calculations. You may recall from our discussions about house advantage calculations that the house advantage at blackjack is 0.3 something, depending on the exact rules of the table. That's an expected loss for the players of between 30 and 40 cents per $100 wagered if basic strategy is used to play all hands. On a per bet resolved basis or per bet made basis, the house advantage for the pass line is 1.41 or an expected house win of $1.41 per hundred wagered by the players. The house has no advantage on the odds bet which reduces the house's advantage by a few cents per hundred if the odds bet is made after the point is established. And since odds bets can be made as much as five to ten times larger than the original bet, the more that is wagered on the odds, the lower house's advantage becomes on the original bet. The house's advantage on a per bet resolved basis is only 0.2, so very close to blackjack when viewed that way. On the six and the eight, the house's advantage per bet made and per roll is 0.46 and per bet resolved the house advantage is 1.52. At this moment in time I tend to think the house advantage that matters is the per resolution number. I win or lose when the bet is resolved although to be fair my bets on the 6 or the 8 can be reduced or taken down entirely at any time without them resolving as a loss for me. Regardless of which calculation you use, the house advantage for these bets in craps are larger than the house's advantage versus a basic strategy blackjack player. On a per bet resolve basis, it's meaningfully higher. And it's also true that the larger number of tier points earned playing craps is a direct result of the combination of increased house advantage and more wagers being made at the same time. Points, tier status benefits, and tax-free, free imaginary money are all part of my approach to winning the bigger game of casino gambling. I'm still figuring out how craps contributes specifically to those goals and objectives. At this moment in time, for all the craps I've played while doing this podcast, which is the first craps I've played in decades, I'm ahead just a few dollars financially. But playing craps lets let me power level up in tier to tier three at my local casino, which gives me anytime I want parking comps, a free gift each month, and half off of all drinks purchased from the casino. I'm also getting weekly gift cards and or gifts that had kind of dropped off when I was just playing blackjack there occasionally. Fortunately, my local casino didn't bring the VIP lounge back, which is a real shame. I had a lot of friends there. It was a really nice perk for reaching that third tier. They've also not brought back the shorter lines that let tier three and tier four guests skip the regular long line at the cage, which was a nice time saver and a nice benefit as well. So I'm not getting those perks that I was used to getting at the third tier, and I got to the third tier from playing craps. In addition, my craps play increased my twice-weekly free bet from zero when I started playing craps 
to $25 the past two months. That's $200 a month of benefits if I use all of them. That's also a free bet that I often combine with other things. I pick up a gift or a gift card, a free bet, and some over 55 free slot play all on the same day. I've not played craps as much at my home casino, Casino 2, but I've played the last two times I was there, and I expect to see modest increases in my comps there as well. So that's TRG craps right now. I'm not losing money, I'm benefiting in other ways, and I'm having fun as I learn. That's a casino combat combination that works for, for me, at least for now as I grow and learn. We have one more thing to do. Let's finish with results for the month of August 2021 in the virtual VIP lounge. A little bit of the bubbly. Our lounge is open. Well, virtually open. <laughs> Welcome to the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge. As always, we have handcrafted, artisanal, locally bottled, still water, and all the best virtual spirits that virtual money can buy. There's just one large pour of Johnny Walker Blue left in a bottle the young squire gave me as a Christmas gift. So I'm going to enjoy that today and celebrate a winning month of Casino Combat. That's right, no drama, no lead up. For the month of August 2021, Mrs. TRG and myself finished with a cash profit after expenses. I'm going to run down all of that for you in just a minute and give you the full details. But before I do that, I'm going to assume that there are some people listening to a monthly recap for the first time. They've not been with us for one of these yet. If that's not you, if you've been here before, pour yourself something if you've not done so already while I get new listeners up to speed on this. It's my firm belief that there are some allies, some friends, some family that you share real results with, true results. And I'll go a bit sideways here, a bit off script. Sorry, T-Rex, edit as needed. If you have a spouse or a partner, if you have family members that you are not honest with about your gambling, you might want to take a look in the mirror. In my never-so-humble opinion, you cannot be good at casino gambling without being honest with yourself and the people in your life about your results. And I get everybody's got an Aunt Frida or an Aunt Rose or an Uncle Joe, and they hate gambling, and you just you don't talk about it with them. But I'm talking about people that know you're gambling, know you are a gambler. If, if your wife doesn't know, if you're not telling your wife or your spouse or your partner, if you're not telling them the truth about what you're doing, I, I think that's a problem. I really do. I think that's a problem. I think that's something you might want to think about. Casino Wisdom number seven teaches us to be accountable to someone or something. And that's because your brain will trick you. It will inflate your wins and it will misremember your losses. I hold myself accountable by recording every single casino transaction in an app on my phone. I hold myself accountable by sharing that app with my wife so that even if I'm gambling without her, she can look and know exactly to the penny what was lost, won, or spent. I'm honest and transparent with Gabriel, and because I treat listeners as friends, I'm accountable to all of you. And that is why at the end of each month, I save the spreadsheet for the month, I review the details, and then here in the Casino Combat Virtual VIP Lounge, I share those results with you. Just as I would sit in real life in a VIP lounge with Gabriel or Jack and Lady Die and share my honest results with them. So when I have a winning month as I did this month, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to brag or boast. I'm being honest and accountable and showing you that what I do works. When I have a losing month as I did last month, I break down for you why and how I lost. Please, 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 please don't ever listen to a wrap-up episode and be impressed. In the grand scheme of gambling in North America, I am small potatoes. In fact, I gamble below the level I could and have gambled intentionally to demonstrate what can be done with very modest sums of money. 
I honestly and truly believe that almost anyone can do this. Okay, sorry, that that went a bit longer and got a little bit more speechy than I intended. I apologize. The way this works is this. I have an amount of money I want to win minimum when I go to a casino. Obviously, that doesn't always happen, but I call that amount a day's pay. To make these recaps as easy as possible for everyone, I divide all my results by that number so that I can give you my results as if I only earned $1 a day. If you want to translate these numbers back to your life, to the numbers that are important to you, whether you make $20 a day or $20,000 a day, multiply all these numbers by your day's pay number and you will understand how my results would impact your life. Here we go. We finished the month with a profit from gambling of $1.87 if I earned $1 a day. Almost two days pay of extra cash in our pocket. We spent $1.21 on the process of gambling. Now, some of that money was money that we would actually have spent anyway. A meal at our local sports bar on Saturday night isn't different from a meal at a sports bar at a casino on Saturday night. But if we eat that meal at a casino on a gambling trip, we treat it as a gambling expense. We don't say, oh, we would have gone to dinner anyway. To put those expenses in context, our expenses for the month were really, really low, given what we did. We spent the first two days of the month at a resort in Atlantic City on vacation as part of a longer trip that crossed two months. We spent another six nights of the month in various uh, casinos, hotels, and resorts. Even with the destruction and rebuilding of the entire first floor of Casa TRG, we lived a casino lifestyle eight of the 31 nights of August 2021. And we did that with expenses of just more than one day's pay. Back to the numbers. Our cash profit after expenses was 66 cents, two-thirds of a day's pay. How did that cash profit happen? We actually lost 89 cents on table games, winning money at craps tables of all things, and embarrassingly losing money playing blackjack. We won money playing slot machines using TRG slot strategy El Numero Dos, the one I describe in my book. We won $1.89 on the earn a dollar a day scale. Almost two days pay from playing slot machines in a way that I continue to say shouldn't work, but I just report the results. I just tell you the truth. I just let you figure it out for yourself what works for you. We had 32 winning and 24 losing blackjack tables, which is a great ratio. We just had too many tables where the losses were larger than normal due to splits and or doubles that created the exit conditions. And I wouldn't know that without the app. I wouldn't have that level of analysis. We had 13 winning slot plays and nine losing slot plays. And as I mentioned, we each had a machine that went really badly in creating our negative exits. So a profit there is really, really good. I had eight winning and eight losing sessions at a craps table. Since I actually made money on craps, my losses per table were clearly smaller than my wins per table. We were given 52 cents in free slot play and won 88 cents with what we were given using TRG slot strategy number one, which is excellent. I expect to win approximately 26 cents on 52 cents of free slot play. We were given 52 cents in match bets and 75 cents in free bets. Over a day's pay in free money to gamble with almost two days pay in free gambling money if you include the free slot play. We received $7.15 in comps and 67 cents in gifts. Add it all up, the cash, the comps, the free money to gamble with, and the gifts, and the total benefit, the total win for the month, cash, comps, and stuff was $12.24. 
We spent eight nights of the month living a casino lifestyle and received almost 12 days pay in value into our lives. Digging into the numbers just a bit more, Casino Wisdom number 28 teaches us to settle for singles and doubles and the home runs will happen. This was a month in which home runs happened and were the difference in the month. We had lots of singles and doubles, small wins. We had some serious strikeouts with bigger than expected losses at various tables and slot machines. But I had a home run slot machine win, one of the biggest I personally ever had. And another player threw a five-point fire bet, which I watched and learned and collected a home run payout on at the craps table, my largest win at a craps table to date. Those two home runs made the month a winning month from a cash point of view. And extend the metaphor, we had to take those at-bats, right? We had to hit the singles and doubles, and we had to take the strikeouts to have an opportunity for the two home runs to happen. And then after that, the generosity of various casino brands and our focus on combining those brands' generosity multiplied the value of our casino relationships significantly. If you are playing the casino chip game, there are lucky number seven in this episode. Please tip your waitresses, tip your bartenders, tip your dealers. If you have a host, tip your host, but don't tip away your wins. And we saw there those extra $7.50 in tips I gave out did not cause me to tip away my wins. I managed to follow my own casino wisdom. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for leaving, and I hope you understand I was born a rambling man. Love it, hate it, it don't matter. Please share with your family and friends. Goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening.